So, the first duty. So, I have a problem with these sorts of narratives. I feel like it's best exemplified in some... Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of that. So, like, Military HBO. Military HBO uh, series. Okay, I'm going to do the intro while you're looking for that. This is the Beige and the Bold. Today we are... Well, we're not really watching the first duty because my Netflix is messed up. And because it's been a while since we've made an episode because of personal issues outside of my Netflix account. Like, losing access to that was not devastating or anything. So we're just going to talk about the first duty for like 45 minutes or until we're sick of it, or maybe 50 minutes. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah. And this is my first time talking about first duty. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Uh, So Generation Kill. Generation Kill was the name of the series. I have a problem with the first duty because it draws i don't know i'm sure it's unintentional but it kind of shows you the difference between doing war and playing war although starfleet is like supposed to be like a military academy so i imagine like nothing is really supposed to be that serious even though like team leader lacarno is like uh you just want for your team you need to protect it we've been through the shit man i'm like what like grades like come on man like you're <laughs> he has like he has like the, he's giving these pet talks he's like yeah man we're in the bunker it's like first of all you're in officer school secondly um what what have you done like you're in school <laughs> like, how, how, how have they put you in danger that in a way that you haven't put yourself in danger it is a military academy at this point we're kind of done with Star Trek having the idea even that it's not a military institution right so like as someone who attended a military academy, uh, it does get pretty intense and you do rely on other people in so much as you might be, for example, psychologically inclined to be able to ask other people for help. Um, mm-hmm. so, so these guys do go through things and they do have obstacles. It's a very rigorous competitive environment. So, I mean, no, it's not people shooting at them, granted. But you do form an esprit de corps. Okay, I mean, that's fair. Like, I I could see, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking about it in terms of, like, you know, when he's talking, it it felt, it feels like it has the trappings of, like, two combat vets talking about (laughs) how they, um, you know, they've been through so much harder things, and this is just, we got to stick together, and all that kind of jazz. And it, it, it doesn't go that far, but maybe there is something. Like, I've never been to a military academy, so I don't know. But I can definitely appreciate um, the kind of mentality of military institutions to kind of break you down through conflict uh, in order to kind of form those bonds. Um, and so, you know, yeah, that, that can definitely be an environment that can kind of breed that whole, listen, you can't do it alone. You have to rely on folks. Let's reverse for a second here. This is an episode where the Enterprise goes back to Earth. And they're going to see Wesley do something at the Academy. They're just going to say hey to Wesley. And I'm sure they're going to do other Earth things while they're there. Right. Um, And then it turns out that Wesley's been in an accident as they're going there. And, oh, they're going to see the Academy graduation, I think. Yeah, Picard's giving the commencement speech. Um, So he's he's, he's going there to kind of like do the whole thing and then... You know, they're, they're kind of reminiscing when, you know, Worf says, hey, there's, uh, you know, Admiral Brown wants to talk to you. 
He's like, okay, put it on the screen. He's like, in a private channel. He's like, oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Picard takes it in his ready room, and that's when he learns that Wesley was in an accident. And I, was, I thought it was going to be like, and he's dead. I'm like, all right, well, that's no more Wesley. Um, this is where this is where we get yeah. off on the whole Wesley Crusher uh, story arc. But no, no, he's fine. He's just he's he's su- he's suffered some injuries, um, and we get like maybe a little mother moment between Picard and Crusher, where Picard's yeah. like, hey, you know, um, bad news, crazy been an accident, and um, you know, Brother Crusher's like, who? Oh, Wesley. Yeah, yeah, no, we should do Doctor things. Well, they have doctors there. Yeah, but I'm. But I mean, she 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 does convince me yeah. to do the whole like I'm a competent professional in medicine and also a mother, and so I want to use my considerable skills to affect the situation, even though I can't. Yeah, it's a great moment. It's yeah. a great little moment for for Doctor Crusher. Right. Um, that kind of overlaps the two three things we know about her. So. <laughs> yeah. But the the story ends up being that a cadet dies in the the whole rigmarole, which. I, I would have to make the tiny little point that they're using naval ranks and yet they're using cadet nomenclature for their academy. But whatever, it's Starfleet. It's not the Navy. Yeah. There's a cover-up. There's an investigation. We have like a pretty standard Star Trek investigation uh, in which we learn that maybe our cadets were up to no good. Right. And Wesley's in the middle of it and maybe Wesley's lying to us. But, oh, my God, he's Wesley. Yeah. And eventually yeah. we get to the end where Picard gives a pretty good speech. Yeah, and they, Wesley they confesses do, what they did. Yeah, they do grow up so fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's, 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 yeah. it's funny when they do the like they hate like so they they get there and you know Admiral Brand is kind of talking to all the folks, uh, all the parents rather, um, and Picard's there because he's like a father figure, um, and so <laughs> he uh, he's like, hey, listen, um, stuff happened. It sucked. Also, shout out to. Shout out to my boy. Um, what was it? What was his last name? It was Joshua Albright. No, it was an Albright. It was something oh, like that. All right, dead Josh. Him. They call him now. Yeah, dead Josh. Dead Josh is uh, you know pops because you know losing a kid and all. And then after that, um, you know, we learned that there's going to be an inquiry. Like the inquiry has to happen immediately, and we have to get to the bottom of this. But we're also going to. Um, Go forward with commencement speech because uh, life goes on. And I, I'm generally of that opinion. Like, I, you know, if a bad thing happens in the while we're preparing for like a sort of celebration, depending on the celebration, I guess. Like, I'm just like, if it's a Super Bowl watch party, yeah, you can cancel that. But I mean, if it's if it's something that is kind of tied to organization. Um, you know, like, let's say a hospital or, you know, some sort of academy where you can't really kind of put your job duties on hold. And, yeah, you really should um, keep going with the ceremonies because you do need to kind of kind of give that reminder that, hey, your duties don't stop. You have to keep going. Yeah. And that's reasonable that, you know, that would be expected of them. Right. Um, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine being at the Naval Academy and having... Uh, the graduation event halted. Like, I think there was a dude that got drunk and fell out of a window while I was there, uh-huh. and uh, he died. You know, you just keep chugging along. Yeah. So, obviously, th- there's an inquiry behind the scenes of what's what you do. Yeah, and I mean, that makes sense, especially in the military, you know, because you, you don't get to kind of, whatever you're doing in the military, whether it be, you know, some sort of 
you know, combat with someone else or what have or whatever you're doing. It's such a big organization. All the parts rely on each other. You don't get to tell, you know, the enemy like, hey, time out. Um, we, we got stuff. To do. I mean, I guess you kind of can because um, we have certain um, agreements about how we should be doing war. But war is always a big uh, wild card just because we have those agreements that mean it happens. So, uh yeah, like at the center of this is a guy named Nick Lacarno, who right. is the leader of the pilot squadron, which Wesley is a part of because I guess they didn't have a math team. Yeah. And <laughs> like, <laughs> I wonder if all, they were all nerds and Lacarno was the only jock. Like, he definitely looks like he's raised a few people in the K 12. Yeah. Um, so, like, he, he comes all across, I think, as a pretty charismatic guy. Yeah. Who's very reasonable. Uh, the, the central conflict here for Wesley is loyalty to the people around you who will take care of you versus loyalty to the organization. And so this is kind of where we get in, like that concept is where we, where I think we get into both the Generation Kill miniseries and Hamburger Hill, the movie. Um, Hamburger Hill is kind of, um, that was kind of the central theme. It, it was showing kind of the horrors of war. And, you know, when you say that line, Let's go, yeah, yeah, no, I get it. You know, people die and that's not bad. And yeah, and we're bad. Yeah, but there's so much more to it. It shows how um, how disturbingly common friendly fire accidents are. You know, how um, you know, they were you know, like how they you know, there's a so I was watching like a summary of the generation kill and they were talking about how like all these it's essentially a brief summary of a generation kill it's like a seven part miniseries series from hbo um it shows it follows like the united states marine corps reconnaissance battalion during the 2003 invasion of iraq and you know so marine recon competent soldiers like that's the story and um what you see is not what you expect the sheer logistical chaos of it all uh, there was one episode that was interesting essentially was they had to march to certain coordinates, give the coordinates for a target to then have an uh, airstrike. In this episode, they have to get to a target and relay the coordinates. They have a, a rough idea of where they need to bomb, but they have to get like more precision. And so the recon's got to go over there and figure it out. And then they learn that the coordinates that they give are wrong. And airstrike's going to get called in, but it's going to actually bomb or everyone that's out on patrol. But because the person that called in the airstrike called it in wrongly, it doesn't bomb. So it's like the two wrongs do make a right. So in, so in this episode, essentially the very broad strokes is that two wrongs end up making a right because there's an airstrike that's going to kill the whole people out on patrol. Uh, but the airstrike that was called in was called in with the wrong coordinates, and so it, it eventually uh, dodges. And there's a, that's a similar situation you see in Hamburger Hill, where there's this disconnect between um, command and boots on the ground, and there is an airstrike that comes over and it ends up bombing like part of the platoon trying to take this hill. All of that kind of chaos of war, you can do whatever you want. The notion that, oh, you always have to tell the truth, you always have to do the right thing, um, I think is at direct odds when you're met with that sort of bureaucratic chaos. It's a conflict that I often put in terms of Anne Frank. But but when the Nazis are asking if you have Anne Frank in your attic, you say no. Yeah. Uh, which is like you're not obligated to organizations which aren't going to use that information 
competently, goodly, non-maliciously, <laughs> right. you know, for, for a good purpose or even to hold that information responsibly. Right. It, you should not give information to an organization that's just going to let people steal that information. It's hard to trust an organization that is so large because by you know, the law of averages, there's going to be some problems with that. And um, how do you know? You know, I mean, you can tell you can tell you know this admiral something, and even if you take your whole what's going to happen to you out of the equation, how do you know the admiral's going to do the right thing? How do you know there's not going to be some back alley deals between maybe Lacarno's like the son of a senator or something and talks to the <laughs> admiral or whatever? I fleshed out your concept so I could argue against it. So the deal is, is that if you have agreed to be in Starfleet, then you agree that you're going to work with Starfleet. Yeah, that's true. Ideal, idealistically, you say, well, this organization is worth my fealty. Now, there, there's a lot you can nitpick with that. I mean, Picard looks at Starfleet and goes, F- off, I'm going to do my own thing, like a lot. Um, but generally, he treats the organization itself as though it is worthy of his trust. And whenever yeah, he does true. part with it, it's based on his own principles. Uh, are you talking about Locarno, or are you talking about... Um... I'm talking about Picard. Picard. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, there was there was an interesting bit with the groundskeeper. I don't want to derail too much. Um, I thought that we were going to circle back on, and we never did. I was kind of disappointed about that um, because I mean, Picard talks to Boothby. He's like, "Hey, Boothby, what's up?" And he's like, "Hey, I'm just doing this thing because dumb kids." He's like, "Yeah, oh, let me help you." He's like, oh, "You never helped me before." He's like, "Yeah, I'm older now." Okay, and so they have that moment, right? And so, um, you know. He talks to Boothby and he's like, I thank you for what you did. You know, I shouldn't have graduated. He's like, oh, well, I gave you the time that you needed. Or he, there's some line that gets repeated. But we don't know yeah, yeah. what Picard did. We don't know. It's a noodle incident. Did yeah. he also, did a cadet also die? Did he, <laughs> did he try yeah. the lesser known um, uh, Bolklavoid maneuver? And that is similarly disbanded and similarly the cadet died or just whatever it is. Yeah, in the context of a dude died, like, are we just cool if Picard did a thing that <laughs> resulted in a dude dying? Because Wesley confesses to everything, yeah. and he confesses to the cover-up, and they're like, okay, you're going to get pushed back a year. Yeah. I was like, wait, so is what Picard did worse than a dude dying, or <laughs> is it on par with that? Yeah, we don't like, know. It's a noodle incident, but yeah. they go. So, I mean, they go easy on Wesley because like, he confessed, I guess. Well, and that's the thing. So there's like this um, in politics, you know, there is this notion of decorum, you know, that you have to, um, oh, we have to say things in the proper way and we have to follow the proper procedure, et cetera, et cetera, because that's what civilization does. I think that this is like kind of decorum theater, like this episode, um, where it's just, oh, yes, look at the benefits of us following procedure and trusting the right thing and then everything works out in the end. <laughs> I, you know, and I have problems with that because um, it isn't true. It, it's a fantasy. This notion of decorum is kind of like a an idealistic fantasy of how people would interact with one another in reality, I think. I, I think Star Trek is not about that. This episode is not about that. And then oh, it really? was about the breakdown of like complete strangers interacting in something and organizations being corrupt or incompetent, then it would be about that. But it's not about the fallibility of Starfleet Academy or Starfleet. It is about your loyalty to an organization and its ideals in contrast with the people who are immediately around you. Well, right. But, you know, the 
you know, my point is that, like, okay, so yes, he Wesley is pursuing a career in Starfleet, so ostensibly he trusts Starfleet. Um, you know, and maybe this is just me putting too much of myself into this episode, you know, but I don't know this notion that that trust always works out in a big organization, which I feel like this episode says, True. it's like, hey, listen, all you got to do is tell the truth, tell the truth and everything's going to work out. And he tells the truth and things do work out. And surprisingly, Lacarno, at the end, he does what he said he was going to do to protect the team. And, and that's why no one's yeah. so. And, and that's, um, I don't, yeah. I don't think that's realistic. I don't think, and <laughs> I think that's fantasy. Like, no, he, 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 he has all the trappings of a person that pressured a whole bunch of people to do a whole bunch of things because of his ego, but then he falls on his sword like behind closed doors. And come on. So is is Lacarno a redeemable character, Derek? Uh, ooh, great question. Um, I don't know if we know enough about him, you know, because we just get that weird kind of act of redemption at the very end, you know, in passing as Picard says. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, you know, I mean, I think that people can sort of. We don't really know the situation. When people are telling the story of Locarno, he fell on his sword, so he was honorable at the end. And so that's like him saving some of his ego. Um, not He's not doing it for all true stick reasons. He's doing it because it, he can salvage some of the story that people will tell of him. Fascinating take. Um, or, you know, he's doing it... Um, or, or maybe it is. Maybe he's always been altruistic, and he just kind of got, like, the, the organization of Starfleet um, kind of puts a lot of pressure on uh, cadets and he kind of got wrapped up in it and he didn't really think things through. And then it, you know, it wound up with someone's death and that kind of brought him back down to earth. And then that's where he's like, Hey, look, uh, this is totally my bad. I was the one that did all this stuff. So um, everyone else should, should still be able to have a career. So I don't know. We don't see it. So, so to wrap up that spar, you would believe a story where he was redeemed, where he was like a good person. Uh, yeah, I think it's 50-50. So yeah, I guess he is redeemable then. It's possible in the realm of possibility. We're going to circle back around to that in a couple of years. So, uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> um, so, right. I, I think organizations generally fail to live up to their ideals. And here I thought, because we're, we don't have the Netflix rolling... And because I have to focus a little more on what I'm saying, I can't just get in a bunch of side shots at Star Trek Picard, yet here we are. Um, (laughs) I think organizations that are pretty good can fail to live up to their expectations. And whenever the upper echelons hold themselves to account, that preserves the the ideals of that organization. Whatever they don't, it doesn't. And those organizations become corrupt. Yeah, agreed. I think we say generally if the story that we're given here is an organization that's trustworthy, at least in this very case and in general, and we have a bunch of kids who wanted to do something really cool, but they made a mistake right? and their loyalty to each other is preventing them from coming forward. Yeah. And they're lying about it. And all of these characters for me seem very real. And mostly we just see Wesley and Lacarno. Yeah. But you have other characters as well. I mean, this, the the thing that's kind of wild to me, like, Locarno before the end, you know, Locarno seems like a bad guy. He seems like, yeah. you know, as the story unfolds, you know, Locarno's the one that's saying, hey, everyone, like, just, you know, prisoner's dilemma. All we got to do is stick to our story. They can't take all of us. We all, we just got to... And, and even right. up to the end, where the Admiral's like, 
well, we can only conclude either you're lying, the data's lying, but um, I'm going to make my ruling if no one gives me an additional information. That's when Musk yeah. like, oh, by the way, uh, I thought he That's... was going to just go to Admiral Brand's office and like, hey, uh, yeah, I got to amend some stuff. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, those two scenes are really interesting because we get the Picard speech and which is really interesting because it takes all of this distance that we bridged with Wesley and Picard. Yeah. And snaps us right back, right back at the extremities of it. Right. Um, and you're like, damn, son. Yeah. And the, fun- the funny thing about that is that right on the heels of Picard's speech, um, Wesley does like the thing you do not do. If you're going to betray like a, a, a group, you do not call its leader in to say, hey, I'm about to portray you guys <laughs> or like something. <laughs> because that's when they all like band together against you. And bam, now you're the person that, you know, did the he, it was Wesley's idea to do the Cola maneuver. I don't know why he's saying this. Um, yeah. And, and if they were more mercenary, they would have done that. Right. And so uh, but so he calls them in and then um, Wesley's like, yeah, man, I don't know, dude. Everything's kind of weird. Uh it's like no, nah, we just got He's he's got nothing. He's just got a theory. He's like I can't yeah. lie. He's like I can't lie again. And then he, <laughs> and then Lacarno says, um, "Oh, what? So he just gave a speech, and now you're gonna do?" It? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, Lacarno. That's how the series yeah, works. Yeah, it's like it's like. Do you understand the Picard? He's like, get out of here, Lacarno. I thought you knew. I thought you knew what Star Trek was built on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe that's what happened. Maybe like Picard gave a speech to Lacarno. Yeah. Lacarno's like, "God damn, we gotta take the fall." Yeah, and he's like, "Oh Dude. damn, maybe, maybe I underestimated this whole speech thing." Um, yeah, but it, but like to me, that was the funniest part of the episode. Where Picard was like, "Oh, so he just gives a speech, and now you're ready to betray your teammates?" It's like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how all the episodes yeah. work. Are you you're new here? I get it. So you don't understand, yeah. but. I mean, yeah, dude, that's, you should have read your script. Like, that's, that's how this works. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, if, if Picard had given the commencement speech for the previous year's address, Lacarna would have gotten it. Yeah. But, yeah. So, so the thing is, is that Picard's like, okay, we got enough evidence. If you don't go there, we will. I'm like, okay, that's, that seems pretty hard. It also seems to remove Wesley's option. So then we have a scene with Lacarna where Lacarna's like, no, actually, even if Picard goes to the Admiral, they still can't prove anything. So you do still have a choice. Yeah, isn't that true? I mean, that's true, right? Like, that kind of follow- yeah, I followed I, that logic. I feel like that's accurate. Yeah, I just don't get why Picard's puffing himself up and being like, mm, we'll turn you in if you don't. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, it's like, I feel like Picard's giving us, like, consequences that aren't really there. Oh, yeah. And it kind of leans into what you're saying about authorities not being trustworthy because they're lying oh we will catch you Ooh, well, see, gonna get... and, and that's that was the other thing that I, you know i kind of wanted to talk about with this episode is that like it feels like they're low-key talking like what you learn in starfleet is you know part of the leadership skills you learn is emotional manipulation <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm serious like it, so at the very beginning of the episode um, you know, they're talking like, uh, Riker starts talking about his superintendent. He's like, oh yeah, my superintendent, um, he memorized so everyone's file and he knew everything about you. He's like, oh yeah, well, mine was a beta zone, full telepath. He just would invade your privacy, um, at the drop of that. Yeah. And, 
and yeah, it's that like some examination right yeah i mean doesn't it um and yeah. so but they're talking about how you know maybe he did maybe he didn't but they created this kind of personal brand this persona that cadets then believe in or manipulated to believe so that they do the they act within kind of expectable parameters okay let's say that you have a superintendent uh, telepath you couldn't you just walk in and say la 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 the whole time in your head and like they wouldn't know like i mean there's got to be a way i mean i would think there should be a way to like kind of like screen for a telepath but who knows? We never really flesh out what telepathy means in the Star Trek universe. Right. So, and, and the interesting thing about those two is like, oh, well, the Academy's a rough place. Yeah. I get it. But also, like, if you buy into it as a place of constant examination, then you kind of negate personal choice. And then you say, well, once you're no longer under that thumb and you're an officer out in the field, like, you haven't learned any self-discipline. And I think that's part of the problem that... That is in in this portrayal of Starfleet Academy. Trust me, we're going to see cadets go off the rails <laughs> much later. As, in these... as cadets do. Um, I mean, actually, this seems like an acceptable... This is within the remit of our Starfleet abilities, and we're going to excel at it. Excel at what? The the, the flying, the pilot. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, that that's their whole goal. They're not doing anything for, like, money. They're not... Right. Uh, hacking into computers for yeah. fun. They're not running drugs, you know, under the superintendent's nose or something. Yeah, they're there to excel. It's not Animal House. It is a bunch of guys who are literally trying to overachieve. Yeah. They're breaking the rules to overachieve, which is a classic Star Trek thing. But yeah. as cadets, they fuck it up. Yeah. So, uh, and that that's something interesting to see is all these Starfleet folks yeah. before uh, before they become... I guess main characters yeah. and one of the things I wanted to say real quick before um, like while, while I kind of still the specter of kind of like emotional inflation we also see a lot of emotional manipulation from Locarno um, when Wesley gets called into Picard's office that's essentially what he's doing he's, he's putting a yeah. very terse and, and kind of um, you know conflicting like a non-sympathetic persona around himself to force Wesley to do the right thing. You know, the whole time during the interrogation, Admiral Brand is, um, you know, asking in a very pointed tone certain questions that, um, you know, with her authority should kind of compel them to answer. And so, I mean, these yeah. sorts of things, um, it's interesting because what if, if you're looking for it, you see that Locarno was trying to use emotional motivation to get his whole team to kind of perform the, the solution to the prisoner's, prisoner's dilemma. And he doesn't really get it off because Picard comes in and messes that whole thing up. As someone who has a relatively flat effect, I think almost all intonation is manipulative to some degree, and that we're trying to communicate things to other people so that they perceive things the way we want them to perceive them. I think I think that's true. It's just there's a degree here. There's a larger degree <laughs> than just like normal. Hey man, uh, can you give me two bucks? No, come on, man. I really need it. Like that's a, a basic. But this is like I I am an admiral. I have a whole career. I'm mad at you. This whole organization is built around me. You need to answer my question. Like that's a whole level of manipulation. Uh, manipu ah. That's a whole level of manipulation. An order of magnitude even 
uh, above kind of like the normal common variety, I would say, um, manipulation we, we do with each other. That's how organizations work, though. You agree to be obedient to an organization in exchange for the the transaction that comes with your membership. I mean, on paper, yes, but that's like reading yes. the terms. That's like the reading, reading the terms and conditions. You know, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that people say, you know, what I can't wait to join Goldman Sachs. I agree with this institution. I want to take uh, as much money away from. Um, a lower socioeconomic class and give it to a higher socioeconomic class. That's what that's my bread and butter, baby. And See, this is why you don't work at Goldman Sachs because <laughs> the premise is you will earn money uh, by providing a good or service to others, and there are no negative consequences. For that. <laughs> and if there are negative consequences, it's someone else's fault. Yeah, exactly. It's not my fault. I mean, I I did but everything right. That enthusiasm for the organization is part of the pretense of joining it. And in a, a capitalistic world where we're selling ourselves in order to gain access to the ability to trade our labor for money, yeah, um, that's to be that's very extreme. And that's what's expected of you. I think in Starfleet, yeah. though, where everyone's supposed to be self-motivated, yeah. that motivation should be more authentic. And therefore, you, you obviously want to be here. You obviously worked hard to be okay. here. I can see uh, they, that. They like, told us in the academy like a million times, like, oh, for each person who's here, there's 10 more people who wanted to be here. There were 10 more people who applied. Oh, yeah. Um, and that, that's emotional manipulation. It's a fact. I mean, yeah. But it's also emotional manipulation because right. you're reminding people of the the virtues that they ostensibly hold in common with that organization to right. get obedience. And I think I think I think it's important. It is important to recognize that um organizations espouse different values like one of the jokes that i kind of have with um you know like i was a consultant so i talked to a lot of different people and one of the jokes that i always had was um hey let's look up the um the core values of this company i bet you 100 bucks integrity's there (laughs) Um, because (laughs) it's always there and that is the core value that i've yet to see organization like execute on um but it sounds pretty it's nice it's nice when people you know when you're giving a speech it's like well you know this this uh act of this ceo doesn't you know align with our core values and so we will try harder and we hear you and all the other things that you know all common things you hear in apology speeches after they get caught with after someone gets caught with their hand yeah. in the cookie jar. You know, after Wells Fargo signs up people for car insurance <laughs> and they have car insurance and they don't itemize it on their bill. Right. Or after car, after Wells Fargo has people sign up for accounts that charge the money that they don't have. Right. they didn't sign up for. Or after Wells... Oh, never mind. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. Or after Wells Fargo got sued by their own stockholders for lying to them, lying to them about one of those things while the other one was ongoing. Yeah. But I, I mean, I could see in a, fict- a fictional world where we're kind of in a post-scarcity society and you're kind of like, hey, what, whatever you want to do with your life is the thing that you want to do with your life. And you got to, yeah. you know, I could see organizations being more, um, standing more true to their values because um you know everyone wants to be there and they want to be there for those reasons um it's weird for money out of people's hands it's just hard for me to think about that because like in my life um 
there is the organization's face that it presents to you and there's how the organization yeah. works that you normally don't get to see. And as a consultant, I did kind of get to see a lot of different organizations and it's scary. When you, when you see how yeah. the sausage is made, it's like, whoa, okay, uh, that's not cool. I mean, that's, that's how people work as well. The tiny organizations that we call people where we go, yeah, God, I want to checks Paul, uh, God, synergize your corporate integration so hard. I just love <laughs> synergizing corporate organizations. I'm going to go home and synergize corporate integrations like right after this interview. Um, we're two-faced and that, that there's a pretense to all of it. And, you know, at the Academy, there, there was obviously pretense. There are people who gain or who enter organizations simply because they want to gain an alternative material goal. They don't agree with that organizations virtues they understand it as a transactional relationship which they intend to get more out of than the organization in many organizations that's why they say integrity because they don't want you to get more out of that relationship than they do right they want you to remain loyal to them even when they're not watching you right Um, and they also want to be able to capture the, the value that you add and kind of siphon it to like a few individual people so they need you to believe that (laughs) Um, you know, it's admirable to do such a thing. Like you're working because everyone you know, believes in these kind of core values uh, when really it's, it's core values for Nazi levels. Um, yeah. So the, the interesting thing about the Academy and this, this conflict in particular with Wesley is um, the organizations which make, I'm sorry, the, the principles which make an organization like this work uh, believing in other people, cooperating with each other, sacrificing from yourself for other people, sticking together. Um, these are values which Locarno appeals to in his his Picard speech juniors that he's given yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's very easy to say, well, this is the person who's beside me. I know this person is going to trust me. And maybe that person over there, I don't trust as much because I don't know them. They're part of the same organization. I should have the same trust for them, but I don't. Realistically, I don't. It's outside of my monkey sphere. So um, you end up having those, the inside-outside structure getting replicated within that organization and the principles that make that organization work of cooperation and teamwork and self-sacrifice getting refactored into smaller organizations within it. And it is always a push. It is always a push for that organization to say, no, your, your highest loyalty is to this organization and the organization that it indeed serves. Um, I'm sure you, you went in, you were in the army, um, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you guys have the same thing where it's like, um, country unit, country, Navy, uh, unit, ship, shipmate, self, right? Like this hierarchy of things that are important to you. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, um, you never really kind of have it kind of spelled out for you. Um, you know, there is the infantryman's, um, creed where you know you talk about how um you're you're a, a, an american soldier a unit part of a team um i probably could remember some of it if i tried but i mean the point like you're you're it's more rhetoric i should say with respect to yeah. um implication but it's never directly said hey the thing you care about is um you know country army you know company platoon unit um be an actual sign yeah 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 there's yeah there's no like actual sign i mean there's yeah but there is kind of like all of all of that is kind of implied um and and it's definitely reminded you know hey look 
I think we got smoked once because uh, someone didn't, uh, a second lieutenant came into the barracks and we didn't, um, no one like called out. And so, um, and I mean, that's, those are all contrived um, scenarios because, uh, you know, you got to learn these things. And so you just came in and everyone's like, uh, 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 and then he just went in and then, um, you know, did whatever he was going to do. And then when he came out, uh, and then the, the, the drill sergeants were all like, you know, spitting fire and brimstone and we got smoked for like 40 minutes or something like that. And like, yeah. it was rough, you know, but I mean, that was kind of the gig. That was the point is to teach you like, Hey, look, this is that important. You, you have to let everyone know when, you know, a rank, uh, is kind of in the immediate vicinity. Right. Which is, which is part of just, um, maintaining a hierarchy and understanding yeah. it's, uh, not understanding, which is under understanding a hierarchy and emphasizing its importance. Right. And, you know, like it's, it's a good conflict, this story. I like it. I think it. so. Yeah. Like uh, I, it's a good story. Like, like I like the story too. Like it's good TV. Um, they, they didn't want to write it cause there's not much science fiction in it. They go to earth, <laughs> which they, they didn't want to go to earth. They're like, we don't want to go to earth. Our store, our, our star Trek series isn't about just going to earth. You have right. to put a sci-fi element in it. Yeah. And so the investigation was like their min- minimum viable science fiction element. Yeah, I guess so. Otherwise, um, it's a human story. I mean, I, I, it's interesting that they want to go to Earth, but they were fine with like, oh, yeah, let's military up Starfleet. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I they've mean, been kind of doing that already. So. Yeah, eventually, like, the unique parts of Star Trek are, are going to get rounded off by writers who just want to, oh, we're just going to tell this story. So just round off a few more corners until it's the same yeah. round peg as as any other TV show. Yeah, makes come sense. at me, nerds. So, you know, that's just yeah. what happens. Also, speaking so. of uh, nerds, uh, it I wonder we don't really get much characterization of anyone outside of Wesley as part of this team, you know. But it kind of makes you wonder if, like he, if if Lacarno was the only jock and the rest of them were just nerds and he just bullied them to get what he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because like so, there were times uh, when like like the, at the very beginning of like the situation um like picard knows there's going to be an investigation and so picard and definitely go visit wesley so yeah wesley what's up you know oh man your arm hurt that sucks um and lacardo comes in he's like oh captain he's the guy he's got you know hey what's up sorry for your loss blah yeah. blah and then um wesley's like he th- wesley throws him out he's like Hey Picard, yeah. mom, uh, I gotta, I gotta talk to, I gotta talk to Luke Carno. Can you guys bounce? I mean, yeah. right there, that's a red flag. There's an investigation, yeah. and this looks like collusion. So, I mean, <laughs> it's not collusion. It's <laughs> it's conspiring. I mean, okay, yeah, Conspi- um, conspiring to collude. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, yeah, um, like it's well established that there's something amiss here, and we're like something amiss with Wesley. <laughs> Wesley's a good guy. Yeah. What could he be doing? And I think it's a realistic way for Wesley to get kind of led astray. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of sounds like they wanted an excuse for him to not be around. So like, I'm pushing you back a year. Okay, fine. Yeah. Um, And then so it's like, like, bam, easy contract negotiation. Yeah. I don't know if he's in season six. I know he's in season seven. Okay. I don't know if he's in season six. But, uh, but yeah, it is. It is them pushing him back for a year. That's how it goes. Right. So before, before we wrap up, um, Boothby, 
I yeah. think it's interesting that Boothby is a respected blue collar worker in this environment. Yeah. And I think on some part they're trying to sell it. Oh, look, Picard, he's even brushing shoulders with, with common groundskeepers. Yeah, yeah. He's a man of the people. On the other hand, though, Boothby seems to be pretty well aware yeah. of what's going on. Like, I, I kind of wanted Boothby to be like some some admiral or something that retired. This is like his retirement and he just like... He like low key keeps track of everyone, <laughs> like he's like a spy. <laughs> um, the interesting thing is that throughout the series, people always want Boothby to be something more, which yeah. I think is indicative of um, a sick and <laughs> culture that I would like to poop on. Probably, the thing is, it's probably one hundred percent true. <laughs> I want Boothby to just be a goddamn gardener. He was a kid and he grew a flower. And he's like, oh, it's so fucking great. So he went to free college and he got like a degree in botany. And then he got a PhD in orchids or some shit. Yeah. And then he just loves, he just got a really primo goddamn groundskeeping job. And he does the out of it every day. There's a whiteboard in Boothby's office that's like next level fucking groundskeeping. <laughs> yeah. He's, he, he flies yeah. over to fucking uh, New, New Bergen Colony. He's like, what's what's up with the latest groundkeeping technology at the Groundkeepers Conference? Yeah. And, like, it's a professional goddamn job, and he works with his hands. But, like, it's no less worthy of respect in the eyes of, right. of modern society than anything else. And he's just goddamn good at it. Yeah. Um, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Like, why the hell not? Why does Boothby have to be something more? People want Boothby to be like a Q or something. It's like, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you on that. I um, we have this notion, you know, like I with kind of the politics that we've been kind of stand. There's this myth that is in American culture that, oh, the richer you are, the more confident you somehow be like you, the, the number in your bank account is 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 how, um, you know, just virtuous and knowledgeable and everything that American society wants you to be. Um, that's your, that's your American society number. And, you know, so we have this kind of baked in linear notion of a person where it's like, Oh, well, if they, if they overact, if not overact, if they interact (laughs) in any meaningful way with someone I care about, then they have to be more important than, what it is so if it's a janitor it's got to be a genius janitor or if it's um you know a a a down and out psychologist he's got to be the best in his field but he quit for love (laughs) and i i just like to think that cadets are cool with boothby because he works there yeah you know and people just generally respect booth because he's a professional yeah i mean i think too like you know it makes sense on one level to say like hey look you're a groundskeeper um you'll probably you have some interaction with people because, you know, if they have like some sporting event or whatever, like you interact kind of in those ways. And so I'm sure, you know, I mean, I knew some people, I don't know who was like, I don't think we had official groundskeeper in high school, but I mean, I knew some of like the administrative folks that just kind of like walked around, like they kept the place like somewhat nice and all. And, um, you know, you just have those interactions and some people have more meaningful interactions than others. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the notion that, um, Boothby had intel that Picard was coming to get. Um, yeah, maybe it didn't have to be that way. I mean, some of some of my theory of how I would like this to be is undercut by the fact that apparently they won a sports game and tore up this shit. <laughs> this is the episode with that, right? Did a sports game and they tore yeah. up his prized orchids yeah. or something? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, essentially, there was like this. There was this kind of unspoken like Picard did. Picard was like a rowdy kid because they did a sports game thing, and then Locarno and. 
I guess Locarno and some other people. He doesn't really. They don't name Wesley. They kind of imply. I don't know. I, I think I he mean, just says the kids. I think it's just yeah. Like, but he he says like they did a they won a thing. You know when they tore up the grounds looked like a dinner party or whatever. So they were definitely prideful. Like that whole story was like there to communicate like they're as prideful as Picard and his folks were at his age. Ah, oh, the Rigel Cup. They won the Rigel Cup. And the Academy. So did they damage it or not in that celebration? I mean, he said that they da- he damaged Three the weeks. ground. Yeah. They didn't really go into detail. He, just, he, he says he spent four days like cleaning it up. Just three weeks. So, yeah. Oh, three weeks. Okay. Okay. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean they tore it up like a bunch of football hooligans. It may have just meant that they were out there and active. So, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I got the impression they did tear it up like a bunch of football hooligans. But, yeah, I mean... The, that's my impression as well, but it's not necessarily. Yeah, not necessarily true. You know, and maybe it's okay to, to tear the grounds up on occasion if you're celebrating. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're into botany, you know, there's a there's that whole, um, you know, death and rebirth kind of cycle that goes out. <laughs> yeah. Douchebag and rebirth. Yeah. <laughs> DNR, as I call it. So uh, anything else you wanted to go over? No, I'm good. Uh, next week, we are watching The Cost of Living. Is that what it is? No. It's a different Lwaxana episode. I know. Yeah, no. Cost of Living. Yeah. Cost of Living oh, is is, okay. uh, is after first series. Yeah, we're doing Cost of Living. Netflix gives us this uh, card, and it's a pretty simple card. I think um, Troy is in a room, um, maybe her bedroom, and she's like, what? She has like this kind of a gas look on her face. And... <laughs> Um, we don't really know why, and this is the summary we get from Netflix. As the Enterprise crew prepares for an unexpected wedding, the ship begins experiencing strange break. Yeah, so oh wow, um, I don't know I why we're you. I don't know why we're yeah I don't know why we're expecting a wedding at all um, because I mean unless it's some sort of scientific wedding. <laughs> I was like, oh, the mating yeah. rituals of blah 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 are so interesting and. There'll be biology all over the place. Well, I'm I'm sorry for spoiling what yeah. might have been a fun twist. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll we'll see the rest of it next week. Right. Uh, and until then, remember. Remember. Rand. Rand.